0: And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them. And you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 8411, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly i based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map, and that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in you know we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven if we could see the result of all that god does at every service where the word of god is lifted and preached we'd be dumbfounded and amazed at what god does it's just not about uh, an attendance number on a board how many people can you get coming faithfully to your church purpose of church is not for attendance. The purpose of church is for growth. But if we look in the mirror, we're not perfect either. And the truth is, again, you can't change the other person. You can't get them saved. You can't change their faults. But God can. But you can change your own faults through God's help. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my key. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, come to the end of what's best for you, and start doing what's best for the sake of the Savior. We are back here on Sandy Creek Stirrings. Wow, after a couple weeks off, it feels like a while since we've been here on the podcast, since I've done some recording, but I'm glad to be back with you. We had some great trips. We were able to take the teenagers out on our teen fall retreat, and then my family and I were able to go up to North Carolina for a few days and see some friends and just be able to take some family time. Then we got back from that trip, and my children ended up getting a contagious little sickness that uh, kind of hampered some. Different things around the house and around the ministry. So, after some time off, I'm glad to be back recording. And so, looking forward to putting this episode up today and then getting back into the swing of things really. And next week, we'll get back to some more normal episodes. Because today, while we are uploading a podcast episode, I have a message that I'd like to play for you. We've gotten away from that a little while, and um, it's been a little while since we've posted a message, but this one was a real blessing to me. Now, I preached it, so that may sound a little weird, but this is something the Lord really worked on my heart about before I preached that message, and then when I preached it this past Sunday night at my church, uh, several people came up and told me about how this message really helped them to deal with some things in their life, and this is a message that I knew that I would want to put on the podcast. So if you have any questions about the podcast or any questions about the message that I we're going to put up today, you can always email me and we take those questions. And if we get enough in, we'll do a QA episode. But um, we're going to go ahead and put that up today. But my email is joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, that's joshua at Sandy Creek Stirrings. Dot com. The title of this message is entitled My Weakness is No Excuse. My Weakness is No Excuse. And just for sake of not wanting to give away any of the message, I'm not going to tell you anything further about it. But I'm so glad to be back on the podcast. Looking forward to diving into some very interesting topics. You're going to want to be back uh, next week, next Friday, when we release our next episode, because we're going to be diving into some questions that people have had and we're going to start taking a look at some. Of those things, some things that I've answered, um, at least at my church before, some of them, and then some other things that I want to dive into. I'm excited about getting into some of those topics that I'm sure you've probably had questions about before. We're going to take a look at that. All right, so let's go ahead and play that message today. But my friend, until next time, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to look at verse number 10. The Apostle Paul, writing through the Spirit of the Lord, says, Therefore, I take pleasure. What an interesting statement. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Therefore, I take pleasure. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I pray that you give us just something from your word tonight. I pray that you'd speak to us. And Lord, help me. Lord, help me to get out of the way that you'd speak through me, Lord, despite me, despite my failures. Lord, I pray that you'd help everyone here tonight, that you'd truly walk amongst us, that you'd touch us and touch our hearts and help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Years ago, Business Insider put out a list of things that Americans love, that Americans take pleasure in, that the rest of the nations around the world really just don't seem to understand. And so they gathered up a list of these things that other people from other nations sent in that they just thought it was weird that Americans loved these things or that Americans took pleasure in this. I want to give you a couple real quick. Number one, one person from a different nation wrote in this, the fact that Americans drive everywhere. They said, quote, how big the country is and the amount of time you guys are willing to drive. I had a friend who drove for 16 hours to visit family for the weekend. It's baffling. As another person wrote in said, being able to buy anything you want at Walmart. They said this, and this is several years ago, obviously, but a friend came from the UK and he said that the Walmart was the weirdest store you could ever go into. You could buy 24 rolls of toilet paper and a double barrel shotgun in the same store. <laughs> another guy wrote in, he said, cheese. The amount of cheese that Americans can intake at one sitting. Another guy said, I made mac and cheese for my Australian cousins. It included 600 grams of cheese. They were floored and clogged probably. Number four, (laughs) pumpkin everything. I mean, we're in that season, right? They said pumpkin flavored things. This person wrote, pumpkin is a vegetable, yet it's always a seasonal item, and it's in combination with sweet flavors. To me, pumpkin spice coffee is so strange. These are people from different countries. Another person wrote in, they said, eating and drinking on the go. Eating and drinking as you go. To me, the best part of eating is sitting down and talking and relaxing. Another person wrote in NASCAR. I don't get it, why would someone watch that? I I mean, I am American, I I don't get it. Someone else wrote in and said, PB&J sandwiches. I don't like the texture and the taste gives me cold sweats, I don't know why. Another person wrote in, they said this, they said, I don't know why Americans love suing everyone for everything. They said, in my government class, this was a university student in a different country, they said, in my government class, we brought in an American lawyer and a German lawyer. My teacher asked, okay, Say a family takes, and I'm reading this from that person. Say a family takes a child to the zoo. The child is sitting on the ledge, falls into the cage, and is eaten by the bear. Explain what legal action would be taken. The American lawyer said this. The zoo would be sued for unsafe facility. The bear would likely be put down, and the zoo would probably have to pay a penalty. The German lawyer then said, everyone would think the parents were idiots for putting their child on the ledge of a bear cage. They might even have to give the zoo compensa- compensation for bad things. Pl- bad Publicity—it's kind of a common sense thing. Another person wrote in number ten: hostess baked goods. He said Twinkies, Ding Dongs, cupcakes. Why America? They have no flavor. They're dry, and the texture is horrid. So plain and bland. Also, the fact of the extremely processed aspect of them—the fake cream, fake icing, and cake—which can last for years in packaging. And they wrote, "Quote, mmm, preservatives." Um, <laughs> And then number 11, somebody else wrote in this, hearty breakfasts. They said, I can't imagine. I'll have some bacon and pancakes with syrup. In what world does those two things go together? They have never been to America. And uh, all of those things, those center around something that Americans love more than PBJ, more than cheese, more than driving everywhere, Centered around this thing that maybe Americans love the most, and that's comfort. You see, Americans like the comfortable life that a rich nation like American, like America, like America can give them. That's why the USA Today put out a list in 2019. This was four years ago. The numbers have gone up dramatically. They put out a list of things that Americans buy that are non-essentials every year. Things like the average American spends $108.97 on uh, impulse purchases every single month. Or the average American spends $90, this, this was done again in ni- 2019, the average American spends an average of $90.57 on cable television. They found, listen to this, that the average American spends $1,497 a month on non-essentials, roughly $18,000. And that's why, according to Bankrate, Zipia, and several other places, the average American believes that in order to feel financially secure, they need to make $233,000 a year to feel financially secure. A research company did an extensive study of the yearly incomes across the world and came to this conclusion. Across the globe, the average global household income is $12,235. You say, why is it so different For Americans. And it's so different because Americans love comfort. They take pleasure in comfort. They like to be comfortable. But when we come to this scripture here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we find the apostle Paul was someone who was very different than the average, the modern day American He says, I take pleasure in, by the way, this word pleasure literally means to seem good, to do willingly, to prefer, to choose. He says, hey, I take pleasure in, I choose, I want to do that willingly. And notice this list again in verse number 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. What an interesting list. Let's take a look at that real quick tonight. Grab a pen, a piece of paper, write these down. What are infirmities? Sometimes we can just read through and we don't really think about what do these words mean. We, we have a general knowledge of what infirmity is, but what's an infirmity? Infirmities are weaknesses, feebleness, sickness. That's an infirmity. Most of the times when we're talking about just in plain English, we're talking about sickness. It can refer to that. Um, Reproaches. What is a reproach? It's an insult. It's an injury of the mind. It has to deal with injury of your heart or your emotions. Someone says something mean to you. How many of you have ever had someone who has reproached you? They have injured you in the mind. They've hurt your heart. It's words that have stuck with you for years. How many of you have had someone do that to you before? It happens, right? That's what a reproach is. What about a necessity? What's a necessity? A necessity is a calamity, a distress, a strife. A, it's a need imposed by circumstance. For instance, Preacher's drain field was—I mean, he could get an outhouse, but I mean, it's a necessity, right? It's a—it's a need imposed by his circumstance. Um, what is persecutions? Ready for this persecution? All right, next one. All right, it's, it's that simple. you All—it's persecution, and then distresses. Distresses means to be in a narrow place, to be in extreme affliction. And and what did Paul say? Look at the top of verse number ten. Therefore, I take pleasure. In infirmities he says hey I love these things he was a little different and this didn't come by accident this wasn't a misquote of the Apostle Paul He knew what he was saying. He understood what he said. And it all started when he began telling the Corinthians a little story. Go back up to verse number 7 as he begins to tell them this story of why he would take pleasure in these things. Verse number 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And notice verse 9. I love this verse. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says, hey, Corinthian church, I have this issue. I have a thorn in the flesh, and that thorn is the messenger of Satan to buffet me. This is something that he's trying to destroy me with. He's making me weaken. By the way, this, this word here in verse number nine, this word weakness, it means, I want you to listen to this closely because this is going to be a theme throughout the message tonight. It means without strength, powerless inability. Without strength, powerless inability. Inability. He says, "Hey, my, this weakness is an inability of mine. It, it's power. I, I'm powerless. It, it, it takes away everything. It makes my strength go away. It's here to buffet me. I'm weak from it." But he learned this very special truth from God in this passage, as God dealt with him about this thorn in the this thorn in the flesh that he had. He found that God's grace is sufficient. He found that God's st- grace is sufficient. He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. God says that the area we are weak in is the area that his grace abounds and he makes us strong. Look at the end of verse number 10 again. Look at the end of verse number 10. He says, hey, I take pleasure in these things. And then he says, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Remember what the word weakness meant? It means to be powerless, without strength, inability. Write this down. Here's what the word strength means. You go look it up in a Bible dictionary. What does that word strength mean? It means to be able to do something, to have strength. So on one side, you've got weakness, which is inability. And on the other side, you've got strength, which means capability. And he said, hey, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul had learned something very special here in this this passage. And as God dealt with him, it's that when weakness comes, that's when God's strength shines best. In the thing we are weak in, God's grace shines through strengthening us. Hold your finger there. We're going to come back here to 2 Corinthians. But go to Romans chapter 5. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I want you to look at verse number 20. God's strength shines best in our weakness. Romans chapter five, look at verse number 20. The Bible says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Listen to this. But where sin abounded, that's our weakness. Where sin abounded, notice this, grace, that's God's strength. Where sin abounded, grace did what? Much more abound. Much more abound. That means as much as you sin. God's grace is much more abounding than that. Do you realize you can never be outside of God's grace if you choose to accept it? You're never outside of that. God always has more grace than you have sin. God always has more strength than you have weakness. And Paul was learning that, that God's light always shines best in the darkness. God's salvation always works best with sinners and God's strength always works best in weakness. Now, I want you to, we're gonna look at this real quick. I'm gonna give you two points and we'll be done. Ready? There's two ways you can unpack this truth. Both of them are applicable. Both of them are within context. Both of them are true. But there's two ways we can unpack this. Number one is no matter the trouble God can get us through. That's the the first way you can unpack this. That's the way most people unpack this truth is that no matter the trouble, God can get us through. No matter the tribulation, no matter the time of weakness in our life, no matter the infirmity, the distress, the calamity, no matter what happens, we can trust that God can get us through. That's why back in 2 Corinthians, go back to chapter 4. This is a running theme, by the way, in 2 Corinthians. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and look at verse number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse number 8, and I'm going to loosen up this tie tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse number 8. Here's what the Bible says. For we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Did Did you think about that? Think about what Paul is saying. He says, we are troubled on every side, Yet not distressed. Have you ever been troubled on every side? Uh, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Cast down, not destroyed. Paul, how could you say that? I mean, all those things sound terrible. How could that be possible? And here's the reason why. Go back to verse number seven. The statement he said before he made these statements. He said in verse seven, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power, the power, may be of God and not of us. He says, Hey, I'll tell you how I can be perplexed. I'll tell you how I can be on uh, trouble on every side, but not distressed. I tell you how I can make all these statements and make them true in this. I can tell you how this all works because here's a treasure I have. The power isn't of me. It's of God. The power isn't of me, it's of God. And you see, it's not about our strength to make it through. God can give us the strength we need. And that's how we know, no matter the trouble, God can get us through. Whether it be the death of a loved one or the loss of a friend or a trial or a medical concern or financial woes or a family transition, whatever it may be, God can empower us to get us through. Now, there's a lot of meat to that subject, isn't there? That God can get us through no matter what the situation is. That's not what we're going to focus in on tonight. So I'm going to give you a little tip. You can go back and use this at home. Um, April of 2023, I preached a message entitled The Avenue of Suffering. It covered exactly this point, how God allows suffering to strengthen us. If you want more on that topic, you can go back and listen to that. But suffice it to say for tonight that this is part of God's strength, is that in our times of weakness, He will come through helping us, aiding us to get through. Psalm 46 verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. What a great verse that is. But there is a second part of this package of truth that the Apostle Paul is presenting that I want us to focus in on tonight because I think this is the real point that Paul is making. I think it's often overlooked. Sometimes we can just breeze through this passage and we can miss some things, and here's the second truth I want you to see as we unpackage this. Number two, no matter our ability, God will always give us strength to obey. That's right. Listen closely and hear what I'm saying. No matter our ability, God will always give us strength to obey. And this is really an area for me, I'll have you know, I'm not preaching this message to you that I haven't already preached to myself and God's already smacked me around with because this is where it hits home for me. This is where it it gets personal. This is the part that I I really don't like. Too many Christians across America tonight sit in churches just like this one and they won't do things. I won't do that or I won't do this or I won't do that because that's a weakness in my life. That's an inability. I'm not very good at that. So I won't push myself to serve the Lord. I won't do that because I'm not good at it. I have a weakness, so I won't do that. That's part of what we've done to Christianity is we've taken it and we have Americanized it. Because while the rest of the world, they make $12,000 a year, almost $13,000 a year, and they're making it. And then we come over to here, and an American says, well, I need, according to studies and polls and whatever, I need $233,000 a year to be financially secure. You say, what's the difference? Americans have taken this thing and made comfort the triumphant thing. They've made comfort the preeminent thing. And what we do is we import that into our Christianity because we want a comfortable religion. And so when it comes to something in my Christian life that I'm just not comfortable with... I just say, well, that's a weakness in my life. I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. That's an inability in my life. What does that look like in today's churches? I'm just going to read a list I wrote. Uh, here. Listen, this is what it looks like. I'm not good at public speaking, so I won't pray out loud. I'm not good at witnessing, so I won't open my mouth and share the gospel. I'm not good at dealing with people, so I won't help in that class. I'm not good at fellowship, so I won't go to any church activities. I, 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 I'm shy, so I won't say amen. I won't praise the Lord during a service. I'm not good at singing, so I won't ever sing during the church congregational music. I struggle with depression, so I won't ever smile. I, I'm struggling with my finances, so I'll work on Sunday. My budget is tight, so I won't give to missions. I, I'm, I'm not good at keeping friends, so I just won't make any new ones. I stumble over my... My word, So I'll, I'll never give my testimony in church. And here's what it all kind of boils down to. Put it pot, boil it all down. Here's what it is. I'm weak in that area, so I'll never push myself in that area. I'm weak in that area, so I'll never push myself in that area. But here's what we have. Look at 2 Corinthians again, chapter 12. Look at verse number 10. Notice the last portion of that verse. It says, for when I am weak, that's my inability. That's something I'm not good at. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That's God's ability. When I think I'm not able, when I say I can't, when I say I'm not good at that, God says, hey, I'm able. I can. I'm good at that. I can make you able. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Look at that again in verse number nine. He says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That word perfect, do you know what it means? To make complete. He says, hey, my strength. When you're in weakness, I'll give you my strength and it completes you. It gives you the ability to do that which you think you are unable to do. That's why Paul said, hey, I don't mind if I have to carry a weakness through the rest of my life. I really have a hard time comprehending that, preacher. I I don't understand a man who is okay. I got a thorn in the flesh. I asked Christ three times, and He said, "My grace is sufficient." So I'm I'm good now. I'm like asking Him a million times, like well, three. I'm not stopping at three. Seventy times seven. Here here I go. I I have a hard time comprehending that. You know why? Because Paul was okay with uncomfortable religion, and I'm okay with comfortable religion. Paul said, "Hey, I've learned a very special truth." And this is something amazing. I want you to see this. Look at verse number nine again. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Notice this, most gladly, therefore will I, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Here's the reason why. That the power of Christ may rest, may rest, may rest upon me. As long as I have this weakness, this inability in my life, God's power will not just come and go. God's power will rest upon me. As long as I have this weakness in my life, I get to experience God's power every single day. You see, we all have weaknesses in our life. Every single one of us, every single one of us, every single one of us have things in our life that we could point to and say, well, preacher, I can't do that because I'm not good at, or I'm just, that's a weakness for me, I I really can't. We all have things like that in our lives. Look at Peter. Peter, he had, it. what was his weakness? His weakness was his mouth, right? It's not hard to figure that out from Scripture. Weakness in his mouth. I mean, here he is always saying just the dumbest things. Here he is on the Mount of Transfiguration. you heard this before. Mount of Transfiguration, all this is happening. First thing he says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. That's really the best he could come up with. It is good for us to be here. Jesus brought you up here, obviously, Peter. I mean, this is the man who God said, Jesus Christ said, hey, they're going to crucify me. And he, he pulled Jesus aside and he reprimanded him. He said, not so, Lord. That ain't going to happen. He's correcting God in the flesh. And he had already said this was God in the flesh early in Scripture. He already knew this was the Christ. Here's the man who goes and he says, I will never deny you. A couple hours later, he's denying him so much that he's cursing. He had a mouth problem. And then Pentecost comes along and God says, hey, Peter, you get up and preach. The guy with the mouth problem. He asked the guy who struggled with his mouth and said, hey, I want you to go up and preach. And Paul could, or Peter could have said, you know, I'm not very good at that. You know, why not have John? You know, he hasn't messed up with any of his words. He's always like, you know, your favorite or whatever. And, you know, the, the beloved. And in his in his gospel, he called himself the beloved. And uh, But that was the spirit of God. But Peter could have said, why not have one of these guys do it? I'm not good at that. But he got up and did it despite his inability and 3,000 souls were saved, not because of Peter's great public speaking, but because Peter understood that he didn't have to do it through his own power. He could do it through the power of Christ. You had Paul. By the way, Paul had weakness. I look at Paul as maybe the greatest Christian to walk the earth besides Jesus Christ himself. And Paul, he had weaknesses though. Paul had the weakness of his past. Here he is sent to preach and to build up the church that he for years had spent time trying to destroy. I mean, he could have struggled with every time walking in a church door, struggled with, we don't know, maybe he struggled with anxiety. Every time he went to touch the door handle of a church thinking, I can't do this. They're going to throw me out. They're not going to believe me. Or maybe struggling with guilt. I've seen people succumb to guilt. You've seen people succumb to guilt so much that they'll just end up committing suicide because of the guilt that they just can't get rid of that could have been a weakness in Paul's life. Another weakness of Paul's life may have been that maybe maybe we can look back in history and many Bible scholars attribute Paul's physical appearance to being like this. They say that he was a very short man, balding, just like me, a little a little bow legged. He had a crooked nose. I mean, here he was a, a relatively small, short. The history says a weak looking little man, and here he was supposed to be this big church disciplinarian, church builder. You say, well, nobody's going to look at him like that. God already told you early in Scripture that man looks on the outward appearance. Don't think, yeah. don't tell me that there haven't been times where you've gone through life and you look at somebody and you're like, yeah, that's not who I thought that was going to be. I thought they would be a lot taller than that. I thought they would, they would you know. Maybe it was that. I mean, Paul even admitted, admitted as much when he said in 2 Corinthians 10, 10, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. He says, y'all... Maybe the other weakness that was talked about is many people believe that his vision was going. And that he was praying and asking God. I mean, even the churches were saying that they would pluck out and give them his eyes if they could. And here's Paul. How is he supposed to write letters and travel and build churches when he can't even see? And you know what Paul could have done? He could have done what you and I would do. God, that's a weakness in my life. I can't do that able to do that. It's a weakness. It's an inability in my life. But I don't find Paul sitting on the back row of life saying, hey, you know, God, I'm just going to have to tap out of this one. You know, I'm just not very good at this. But that's why Paul, in just another passage, go to the book of Philippians with me. You see, Paul got a real hold on this. Philippians, go to the book of Philippians chapter number four. This is why the same author who wrote that I have a weakness, but I find when I'm weak, then I'm made strong. I find when I can't, God allows me to so I can. I find when I have inability, God gives me the ability. Paul put that all and he packaged it into one verse for you and I. Philippians chapter four, you know where I'm going with this. Verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Which what? Strengtheneth me. He didn't say, I'm able in and of myself to do anything I want to do. He said, you know what I found? God always gives me the strength to obey. God always gives me the strength to obey. And there's many things in Paul's life. There's many things in your life. There's many things in my life that we look at and we stare at and we say, I could never do that. And God says, why don't you just try me, see if I can give you the strength. Why don't you just try me? Because this verse is summing up everything we've already talked about. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, let me be very clear to say, God does give special gifts and talents to some people. Some people have a wonderful talent to sing. Some people do not. Some people have a a gift of public speaking, and other people do not. I'm not talking about gifts and talents tonight. I'm talking about obedience. I'm talking about just Pushing ourselves out of the comfort zone and not using the excuses of I can't, because really our I can'ts are I won'ts. I'll be honest with you, as a young man, I am tired because my generation, my generation, 27 years old, my generation is all into this lackadaisical, lazy Christianity. I'll be the first to admit it. Of course, every older generation has always said that about the next generation. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be perpetual. It's going to keep going. But I'll say it about my own generation. I've seen it. The people my age lackadaisical Christianity. Oh, they, they might have a bunch of head knowledge, but they have no zeal to do anything for Christ. And so they sit there knowing more than maybe some generations before did about the Bible because they did this and they've studied and they've read. But they just sit and they don't do anything for God. And because they just say, well, I can't do that, or I won't do that, or I'm not good at that, or I'm unable to do that, or that's just not my talent, or that's just not my gift. And God's saying, it's not about gifts. It's not about talents. It's just, will you obey? Because if you'll just obey me, you'll find that your weakness, I'll make you strong. What you think you're not able to do, I can enable you to do. And Paul, Peter, they could have said, hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm not able. I've got a weakness. And instead, God used them to do great things. Because they just decided to push back against their comfortable religion and say, God, I'll, I'll just follow you. How do we push? How do we, how do we push out of our comfort zone, push back past our weakness, and just trust that God will make us strong? You want to know how to do it? It's a very easy five-letter word. You've heard it many times. Faith. Faith. I love the way one person put it. They said, faith. It's easy. It's just hard. It's easy. It's just hard. Because it's easy to say, it's like, yeah, just faith. But it's hard to do. Yeah. The Bible says, again, 2 Corinthians. We're hitting all over 2 Corinthians tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. That's right. And here's the problem. Let me blame it on my, my generation for a little bit. I can't see how it's, possible, so I'm just not going to go down that path. I can't see it. Paul says, hey, I can't see it physically, but I don't walk by faith, or I don't, he does walk by faith. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. I walk by faith what is it that will push our weakness and our inability aside and allow us to trust god it's that little thing called faith the faith that god says is a necessity hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says but without faith it is impossible to please god so dive in and just trust that the lord will strengthen you yeah. you say i'm not comfortable with that i don't i'm not very good at that i don't think i can do that i'm pretty weak in that area no 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 just Trust that God will strengthen you. Trust that God, because in my weakness, his, the Bible says his strength is made perfect. His strength completes me. So why don't I just give God a shot? Why don't I just try God? Why don't I just I, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good? Amen. Can I tell you something? All these preachers of old and even preachers that come into the pulpit of Victory Springs, that you, you will mention their name, hey, so-and-so's coming down and you're excited. Do you realize almost every single, almost every single preacher I've ever talked to, you know what they struggled with and the problem they had as a kid and as a teenager almost every single time, you know what they had a problem with? Public speaking. Yeah, right. They would get nervous. Yeah. Their hands would sweat. They just couldn't do it. They, they would go to school and they would get an F in speech class because they just couldn't talk out loud. But you love their preaching. You're like, wow, what a man of God. He's just so eloquent in the pulpit. He's what a pulpiteer. He knows how to get up there and just preach the word. You know why it's so great and why you get so much out of it? It's because it's not their strength. It's God's strength. It's not their strength. It's God's strength. So why not just give God a try and see what he can do? If the pastor calls on you to pray, why not just give it a shot and see what God can do? If the preacher asks you to pray about serving in a Sunday school class, why not just push past the weakness and just see what God can do? And why not if the finances are tight, why not just keep following the Lord God by faith and, and see what he can do? If you struggle with relationships and friendliness, why not just push past the comfort and just see what God can do? If you have a weakness, why not just try and see if God can make you strong? Why not take a step of faith tonight? Now, I said I would give you two points. I didn't tell you I was going to give you two points twice. There's only two reasons why you won't push yourself. Only two reasons why you won't push yourself. Number one is because you want all the glory for yourself. You want all the glory for yourself. Paul said, going back, look, go back to 2 Corinthians. Paul said, hey, there's nothing to glory in and of myself. There's, there's no glory about me. There's only one thing that I can glory in, Paul said. look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, go to verse number 5. He said, This of such an one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine affirmities. Hey, there's nothing to glory in in and of myself. There's nothing when you look at me, there's no glory there. I tell you what I glory in, I glory in my weakness. You say, Paul, why would you say that? Here's the reason why. Because when somebody took a real close look at his weakness, you know what they ended up seeing? God's strength. That's good. You know what you see in scripture? When you see some people do some great acts and you say, hey, how was he able to do that? Peter, how did you see 3,000 saved on one day? He would say, hey. That's my weakness. But when you look closely, you see it as God's strength. Some people, some people will never push past their comfort zone. They'll just rely on I can'ts and I won'ts and I'm not good at and blah, blah, blah. And they'll rely on that for the rest of their life. Lackadaisical Christianity, lazy Christianity. They'll rely on that for the rest of their life, ho-humming through life. You know why? Because it's a pride thing. It's a pride thing. I don't, I don't want anybody to look at my weakness. And you know someone who is afraid to have someone look at their weakness? The reason why is because they haven't pushed past their weakness to let God complete them, to let God make them perfect, to let God strengthen them. That's the only reason why. Somebody who understands that they have a weakness, but I'm going to obey God and I'm going to push past the comfort zone and I'm going to follow God anyway, they're not afraid of people seeing their weaknesses because God will make them strong. The only person who says, hey, I'm not going to do that because I might mess up or I might make a mistake or I might stumble over my words or I might do this and that are people who do not yet understand that God can make them strong despite their weakness. God can give them the ability despite their inability. Here's the second reason someone will never push themselves is They want all the glory or they want comfort. And for most Americans, that's what it comes back down to. We just want to be comfortable. I don't want to put my weakness to the test because, Brother Josh, what if I fail? Preacher, what if I go to pray and I can't find the words? That'll be so uncomfortable. Why not just trust God to give you the strength? Yeah, right. Preacher, I can't do that. God, I won't do that. I'm not able to. I'm not good at. Because if I fail, it's going to be so uncomfortable. If God was willing to be uncomfortable for you on a cross, would you not be willing to live for him and be uncomfortable sometimes? Yeah, come on, I'll be honest with you. Most of us will never experience the type of discomfort, will we'll never experience the discomfort that Jesus experienced. I'll, I'll tell you that. Not in our lifetime. You'll you'll never experience some of the discomfort that Paul faced. For us, we're going to have the occasional times of personal discomfort. Occasionally. Would you not be willing to push yourself past that? I encourage you tonight, would you commit to God that you'll quit saying no? Will you start pushing your weakness to see God's strength shine through? Would you make a commitment to God to not let your weakness hinder you? One story, and we're done. Pastor Mike Ray has been pastoring faithfully for many years out in California. Early on in their marriage, he and his wife had a set of twins. They came in a pair. They normally do. (laughs) They had a set of twins, and the younger of the twins was a young man by the name of Stephen. Stephen. His younger brother was actually at college the same time I was. But Stephen was born with a neurological condition called Tourette syndrome, which causes involuntary movement of the body. It causes you to shake or shudder or move or flinch or do different things. And it's just involuntary movement. They literally can't control it. It's called Tourette syndrome. And sometimes it can even begin to affect your speech to where you'll begin to make noises and sounds and jerk around and they're just unable to control it and they'll begin to stutter and they won't be able to speak and get phrases out. And during Stephen's senior year of high school, his Tourette seemed to get or seemed to get so much worse than they ever had before. And during his senior year, his teen class at church decided to hold a soul-winning campaign. They were going to try and see as many souls saved as a youth group as they ever had before. And so what the youth director did is he took all the teenagers that would willing, they took them out for 10 10 hours a day for two days in a row. And they would drive to parks, they would drive to parking lots, they would drive anywhere, they would let some teenagers out, they would gather a group and they would witness to them and try and win them to the Lord. And they saw literally hundreds of souls saved that first day. The teen van came by, dropped off the pastor's kids, including Stephen. They all came in, they were excited, they had won 10, 20, 30 souls to the Lord. And Stephen just walked past, went to his room, closed the door. Pastor Ray thought something was up. Well, he went and he knocked on the door and opened it. And there was Stephen lying across the bed, sobbing and crying. He went in, put a hand upon the shoulder of his son and said, son, what's wrong? And tears streaming down Stephen's face. He said, dad, I went out for 10 hours today, 10 hours and I would get people gathered all around me to give them the gospel. And, Dad, I couldn't even get the question out if you died today. I would begin to stutter. If you died, 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 if you died today. He said, Dad, I couldn't even get the question out. And I know I could have won them to the Lord, but they would start laughing at me. And, Dad, I just can't do it. So they sat there on that bed, arm in arm, crying and praying. And Pastor Ray told God in his heart that night, he said, God, if you want my son to be a soul winner, you're going to have to help him. They went out that next day. And when they came home, Stephen had won several souls to the Lord. Amen. After that year, the teen group decided to hold a first-time visitor campaign. We're going to see who can get the most first-time visitors to come to teen class. And whoever has the most first-time visitors to come to teen class by the end of the month, they're going to win two free tickets to Disneyland. And so they came, and Stephen came home. He said, Dad, you know what? He said, I don't need the tickets, but wouldn't God get all the glory if me with Tourette syndrome could get the most first-time visitors? Wouldn't God just get all the glory? I don't, I don't need the tickets. His dad said, you know what? It would. It would be a miracle. And so he went out and began inviting first-time visitors. They got to the end of the month, and the man who won for that teen group was Stephen Ray. He had brought 31 visitors to teen class during that month. Hey, Stephen, why don't you just stay home? No need to go to soul winning today. Don't worry about coming out on visitation, man. It's just embarrassing. You know, it's uncomfortable for you. You got a weakness. You got an inability in that area. Stephen, just stay home. But I think Stephen had learned something that the Apostle Paul had learned when he wrote this. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong with heads bowed and eyes closed.